from the book of Job. I know I have referenced the book of Job, but I was thinking and inspired by the idea of Job's good days. We don't often think of Job's good days. Um, most of the time we think of Job and we think of tragedy and loss and grief and pain. But, you know, Job had some very good days, very good days. In fact, in Job chapter 1, we read that Job was a man who was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters, and he possessed 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen. Now, if my math is correct, that would be 1,000 oxen. Is that right? Isn't a yoke of oxen a pair? So, yeah. 500 female donkeys and very many servants, so that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. Sounds like a very fortunate man, uh, a man who was smiled upon by whatever, whatever powers that be, smiled upon by God, certainly. And do you know how that story goes, that in the heavenly council, Satan appeared before the Lord and the Lord asked him, from where have you come? And Satan answered and said, from going to and fro on the earth and walking up and down. And the Lord said, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man? And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? You've put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has. You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the story goes on, God moved in the hedge. He moved in. I don't know if any of you, have any of you ever experienced that? You know, it's nice when you feel like the hedge is way out there. And no, no damage or harm can get close to you or your family or your belongings. But every once in a while, in some people's lives, it seems as if God allows the hedge to come in a little bit closer. And problems and grief and heartbreak can touch our lives and touch our families. This happened with Job. Job lost his children, there was a day his sons and daughters were eating and drinking in the oldest brother's house, and there came a messenger to Job and said, the oxen were plowing, the donkeys feeding, the Sabians fell upon them, took them and struck down the servants with the edge of the sword. I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was yet speaking, another came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. And one after another, Job received messengers reporting 
to him of tragedy and loss and heartbreak down to the point of losing not just his possessions and belonging, but most all of his servants and then losing even his sons and his daughters that Job was faithful to pray for and sacrifice for. And again, Satan appeared before God and God said to Satan, the Lord said to Satan, have you considered Job that there's none like him? He still holds fast his integrity, though you incited me against him to destroy him without reason. Keep in mind throughout all of this story of Job, Job does not know what's going on. In fact, we come to the end of the book of Job, and Job never really does find out what has gone on. Chapter 2, verse 4, Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. And so the Lord allows the hedge to come in a little bit closer until the only thing that is preserved is Job's life. And his physical health is taken away from him. And he's left sitting on the scrap heap, uh, on uh, they're scraping his boils. The, the interpretation there here, the English Standard Version says loathsome sores. Uh, another version says sore boils. And I have been told that that means literally boils on top of boils. And if you can imagine how horrible and painful and uncomfortable that would be. And he's there scraping himself with a piece of broken pottery on the ash heap, and he doesn't even have a dog named Moreover to come and lick his sores like the beggar did in the story of the rich man and Lazarus. (laughs) You may have to look up that reference to fully appreciate that. Um, His wife turns against him. Job, why don't you just curse God and die? And, you know, people that go through hard times and loss and grief and heartache, it's, it's not surprising, in fact, very common to hear people in that position reminiscing and remembering ab- about the good old days, the days of the past. Job has come through a time when... He, he says his lament in chapter 3 is really just a full chapter of, of uh, ancient Eastern poetry where Job is cursing the day of his birth. And he says, let the day perish on which I was born and the night that said a man is conceived. Let that day be darkness. And, and you know, there's... I have only recently come to appreciate how intricate uh, the book of Job actually is. It's, it's a very detailed, intricate book, uh, and uh, it's quite a, quite a study to dig deeply into it. But I find the heart of the book of Job in chapters 29 through 31, 
29 through 31. And here in chapter 29, we hear Job kind of reminiscing about the good old days. Someone said too often the good old days are just a combination of a bad memory and a good imagination. And I'm sure that is true. However, there is value in remembering the past. I would remind you of a verse of Scripture from Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 2. These are the words of Moses to the Israelites. He says, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might humble you. And he's reminding them to remember the past. Don't forget, in fact, in the book of Deuteronomy, the word remember is found 14 times throughout the book. They are told to remember the past. However, we also need to be careful that the past serves as a rudder to guide us into the future and not an anchor to keep us stuck and living in the past. And it can be either or. So many times we look to the past and think about how things used to be and and it explains why things are the way they are now and it's nothing but lament and, and pain and trouble. But it can, be, it can be that if we let it. It can anchor us to the past so that we can't move forward, or it can direct us and guide us. So how does Job remember the past? It's actually really quite revealing as we look through chapter 29. Uh, as well off as Job was, as wealthy as he was, considered one of the greatest men of the East. This chapter gives us a view into the heart of Job himself, revealing to us the things that he valued the most. The first thing that I see Job values the most is God's presence in his life and in his family. Job chapter 29, verse 1, And Job again took up his discourse and said, Oh, that I were as in the months of old, as in the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. As I was in my prime, when the friendship of God was upon my tent, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were all around me, when my steps were washed with butter and the rock poured out for me streams of oil. Job and his friends, if you look back through the dialogue that takes place back and forth between Job and his so-called friends, there is this this repeated theme of light and darkness, the, the light representing the presence of God or the face of God shining in favor upon His people, and the darkness representing the absence of God or, or that feeling, that sense that God is, is somewhere far away, whatever's going on, at least He doesn't seem to know where you are. And I, I'm sure most of you have experienced it. There's, there's nothing like knowing and feeling in your heart that God is near and God is with you. There, there's nothing quite like that time uh, or, or that feeling when maybe you're struggling, maybe you've been having a hard time and, 
and God by His Spirit whispers to your soul, maybe through a song or through His Word, that, that all is well and everything is going to be okay and he's, he's watching over you and He's taking care of you. And, oh, that's just a wonderful, blessed thing to have happen. And on the same hand, the, uh, on the other hand, there's nothing quite like the darkness that comes when it feels like there's nothing around but sorrow and trouble and God is far away and doesn't even know what you're going through. Job talks about being in his prime. Oh, that I were as I was in my prime. Now, Job here is not talking about a particular age of life, but rather a condition. The literal interpretation of this phrase is autumn days. Autumn days. And he's just talking about a time when things are, are favorable. Autumn days usually represents harvest time and, and the fruitfulness of the ground and, and the produce of hard work and the produce of labor. And it's just a, a, a wonderful time, a time of enjoyment. So he's not talking about a particular age. You know, it's interesting. Many who are young can't wait to be older. Isn't that right? Many who are young can't wait to be older. <laughs> and many who are older wish they were young again. Um, there are some things I miss uh, about being younger than I am now. But I, I have learned, as I've told you before, to appreciate the hard work and the effort that it's taken to get this far. And I, I, I wouldn't want to go back because there are a lot of things I wouldn't want to repeat again. It was too hard to get this far. <laughs> Job says he, he longs for that time when his steps were washed with butter. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Whatever that means, it sounds pretty luxurious. I don't know. I, I relate a lot of things to food. And, and so what I imagine is fresh bread or fresh dinner rolls coming out of the oven and having those the tops of those nicely browned yeast rolls brushed with butter so they glisten just a little bit and... Uh, I can almost smell it. Can you? Can you smell it? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's just, it's wonderful. There are numbers of, of words or ideas communicated here uh, with this uh, steps washed with butter. It, some some uh, versions translate that as, as curds or cream, uh, but it's always something similar. And and basically, it's just a simply, simply a sign of wealth and luxury and just a way of Job indicating how blessed he seemed to be. And he's looking back and thinking about those good old days and, and what is primary in his attention. The very first thing he talks about is enjoying the presence of God in his life and in his family. The second thing he mentions is having the respect of others. Having the respect of others. Look at verses 7 through 11. He says, When I went out to the gate of the city, 
When I prepared my seat in the square, the young men saw me and withdrew. In other words, they, they stepped back to let me pass as a gesture of respect and courtesy. The aged rose and stood. The princes refrained from talking and laid their hand on their mouth. The voice of the nobles was hushed and their tongue stuck to the roof of their mouth. When the ear heard, it called me blessed, and when the eye saw, it approved. He enjoyed the respect of others. He held a position of leadership. That's what is indicated when he talks about going to the gate of the city and taking his seat in the square. That is traditionally in that culture and that time uh, of world history. That's where uh, the business, the, uh, the governance of the city was transacted. And this indicates that not only was Job a man of prominence and wealth and and and. Uh, uh, material blessings, but he was also a man of prominence in leadership, and others respected his leadership. He was respected by the young and the old alike, which is interesting. Respected by young and old alike. Not only that, but he was well spoken of. He was well spoken of. Verse 11 says, when the ear heard, it called me blessed. When the eye saw, it approved. He enjoyed the respect of others. And this was something that he valued. A third value of Job, when he remembers the past and remembers his good days, was his ministry to others. His ministry to others. Look at verse 12. Because I delivered the poor who cried for help, and the fatherless who had none to help him, the blessing of him who was about to perish came upon me, and I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy, and I searched out the cause of him whom I did not know. I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. Job was actively engaged to ministering to and helping others in the community where he lived. Now, one of his friends, so-called, Eliphaz, uh, accuses him otherwise. If you go back to chapter 22 and verse 5, you read there the accusation of Eliphaz. He says, is not your evil abundant? Job, there's no end to your iniquities, for you have exacted pledges of your brothers for nothing and stripped the naked of their clothing. You have given no water to the weary to drink, and you have withheld bread from the hungry." The man with power possessed the land, and the favored man lived in it. You have sent widows away empty, and the arms of the fatherless were crushed. That was the accusation made against excuse me. The accusation made against Job, and Job says, No, no, no. That's that's not true. Job is active in compassionate ministries. In reaching out and helping those who are needy around him. He says he delivered the poor. He helped the poor people. He helped the orphan and the widow. He pursued justice for the marginalized. Did you notice that? 
Verse 17, he says, I broke the fangs of the unrighteous and made him drop his prey from his teeth. So not only was Job doing good things for those who were needy, but he was also coming against the people who were oppressing the needy. He was active in ministry to others. A fourth thing that Job valued when he remembered the past was his confidence in the future. His confidence in the future. Verses 18 through 20. Then I thought, I shall die in my nest, and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My roots spread out to the waters with the dew all night on my branches. My glory fresh with me, and my bow ever new in my hand. In other words, Job's perspective was one of great blessing and great privilege, and and he was walking in faithfulness and righteousness and and doing uh, the best he knew to be pleasing in God's sight. And, and so he had no reason to believe that that would ever change. He said, I'm, I'm going to die happy in my home of a ripe old age. My days will continue as, as the sand on the seashore. If Job had a song to sing, it would be, this is the song that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friend. Do you know that song? Some people started singing it not knowing what it was. They'll just keep on singing it forever just because this is the song that never ends. It just goes on and on, my friend. Um. That gets a little bit old after three or four times. That's like the song about the little red wagon. Do you know the song about the little red wagon? And it comes around and, and there's this phrase that says, same song, second verse, a little bit louder and a little bit worse. And then it starts over again. Well, that kind of thing gets old, but Job was living in a condition of blessing and prosperity, and it was not simply from a material, physical uh, point of view, but it was from a godly point of view, in a way that would not get old. And he expected his life to stay fresh, and he expected to live to a ripe old age, and he expected to be happy and to die happy. And that was one of the things that he valued when he looked back to the past. The final thing we see in chapter 29 that Job valued in remembering the past was his influence of encouragement. His influence of encouragement. Notice verses 21 through 25. He says, Men listened to me and waited and kept silence for my counsel. After I spoke, they did not speak again, and my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. I smiled on them when they had no confidence, and the light of my face they did not cast down. 
I chose their way and sat as chief, and I lived like a king among his troops, like one who comforts mourners. Have you ever had anybody like that in your life? Somebody that you knew just as an encourager and that you kind of looked to, and when you looked in their direction and you saw their smile and their nod, oh, it was just refreshing to your soul and to your spirit. That was Job. That was what Job was to his friends and to his acquaintances. People, this is so convicting to me. My, I, I want to try to strike a balance between my awareness of my temperament and my proclivities without constantly living. I, I want to be aware enough of that so that I can try to be on guard to be a better person, be the person God wants me to be. But I don't want to always live there in, in critiquing and criticizing myself. Do you understand what I mean? Uh, and I, I'm just so keenly aware of my tendency to be negative. And one of my poor dear children I had to apologize to just yesterday because I had hurt that dear one's feelings by a way of speaking that emphasized the negative. And I realized very shortly after that, that I had dealt a crushing blow to their spirit. And so I just walked around, not walked around, but I, I went about my activities for a while just with this burden of knowing what I had done and the way I had spoken until finally I got an opportunity to say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have spoken that way. Would you forgive me? Well, Job was not like that. Job's tendency was to speak words of encouragement. He, he was a Barnabas, a son of consolation. His words were valued by the people around him. His words were refreshing to the people around him. Are your words refreshing to the people that hear you speak? Oh, friends, may God help us. I, our former pastor in Ohio said, uh, told about a time he was greeting someone somewhere and said, good morning, or something like that. And, and you, if you knew him, you would understand. He was just a very jovial, cheerful man, just almost always had a smile on his face. Good morning. <laughs> and this person that he was greeting kind of growled or grumbled in return and said, what's good about it? What's good about it? Job's words were refreshing to those that he encountered. His words were uplifting. Uplifting. They waited for... He said, my word dropped upon them. They waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouths as for the spring rain. Now, when, we, when I first read that, my words dropped upon them, I think the hammer falls. That's not what he's saying. And my words were like the drops of rain. They were refreshing, uplifting. 
and his smile brightened the day of anybody who saw it. That's what it says, verse 24. I smiled on them when they had no confidence. In other words, there were people around me, they were low, they were depressed, they were discouraged. And I smiled on them, and the light of my face they did not cast down. In other words, they received it. So the things that Job values, even before he comes out of his hardship and before he comes out of his trouble, the things that he values are are not his status. It's not his power or position or wealth. Those aren't the things he values. But he values rather the presence of God in his life, his ministry to others, his influence, this, this confident expectation that he has in the future. And, and, and you might be thinking about that one, the, the uh, confidence in the future, confident expectation in the future. You know, that is very valid for the Christian. Can I just remind you of that? And you say, oh, pastor, there might be bad days around the corner. That's true. There might be bad days around the corner. Uh, there, there probably are. But we know ultimately that for the Christian, we have a bright future. We can be confident in the future every day. Job valued his ministry, his influence of encouragement. And as I mentioned a few moments ago, I, I see these chapters... 29, 30, and 31, we're going to probably come back and look at some of these others. I see these chapters as the heart of the book of Job and also revealing the heartbeat of Job himself, reveals the heartbeat of Job himself. This is why Job came through with flying colors. This is why Job came through with flying colors, because he understood the things that really mattered most. He valued the things that really mattered most. Someone has said one of the biggest differences between the godly and the wicked, or or the Christian and the non, however you want to say it, is that some people love things and use people. Love things and use people. But others, and I believe the truly Christian, the truly godly person, for them it's just the opposite. They love people and use things. And this was Job. This was Job. This is a reflection of the heart of Job, and I believe shows us what brought him through ultimately in the end. Amen. Let's